Hello folks and welcome back to the fifth Adamola Bookman podcast. I'm here with my friend John Cochlin, and this week we're reading Joey Barton, No Nonsense. Yeah, Joey Barton. We're very topical, aren't we? Maybe we can start even like the title, No Nonsense. What do you think? Is it a good? Is it a good title for the book? Uh, I would disagree because I think there's quite a lot of nonsense yeah, in there. I think I think he could have called it nonsense. <laughs> he could have called it nonsense. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. There is a lot of babbling babble and self-justification oh, in this book. Yeah. I mean, pages and pages worth. Let's get into it. Before that, I just wanted to say thank you. We wanted to say thank you to the people who have followed us on our socials. We're on Twitter. We're at Bookman Pod, and we're on Instagram as well, the Adamola Bookman Podcast. And I also wanted to say thank you to Dara Finland, who's provided the, the music for this podcast. There are links to Dara's music on Spotify, on our social media. Thank you very much, Dara. Chapter one doesn't actually start with his childhood. It starts with this line. The smackhead in the corner is silently enduring the agonies of withdrawal. Hollow-eyed, sallow-skinned and sweating profusely, he constantly mops his face with rough, rough paper towels taken from the waiting room toilet. His plight is hypnotic and faintly heroic because, like me, he's here to visit a friend. Well, here we are, folks. Here we are in Joey Barton's world, and we're in the gutter. It's it's a horrible, sordid world of violence, and not necessarily his fault, of violence and prison and unpleasantness. In his defence, he was born into this. I mean, it was a very harrowing-sounding childhood, right? Yeah. All of the books that we've read, they've come from difficult backgrounds. Um, but this was just another level, right? I mean, it did seem to me, I mean, I'm not saying financially they were the poorest, but in terms of just an absolutely chaotic and violent life, he was surrounded by it at all times. Cousins, uncles, dad, all the time, violence yeah. was there. It was a story which he sort of portrays as a, a positive, but it's he's in a fight with a kid and the kid's dad comes. The kid's dad sort of defending his son, so he goes to get his dad, and then his dad drags him out of his fucking house and braids him with like a stick that's lying there, just in front of the whole. Fa- it's it's such so horribly traumatic. It's yeah. an ugly world he's born into. Yeah, that's like I thought that was yeah, just a sad kind of upbringing. Um, no, not to say he he spoke positively about a lot of people in his life, particularly his his grand, his grandmother, and um, who seemed to be kind of a matriarch of the family, his, his paternal grandmother. He spoke quite fondly of his father, even though, as you say, his father seemed to be quite a violent man. He said at one point that his father never, um, you know, was violent with him and his siblings, but then he did say at one point that his father hit him. So, you know, I guess maybe he's got kind of a, he's speaking in some kind of comparative sense. I don't really, I didn't really follow, but 
Anyway. I mean, um, from the sounds of it, his dad, comparatively, yeah, I don't necessarily associate with violence. His dad was a role model. I mean, his dad played football, and that's where... And that gave him status on the estate, right? That was that was what set him apart. And I think that what must have got young Joey thinking this was the path to the path to tread. Yeah. So his father played for a, a local team in Liverpool called Knowsley United, a non-league team. Um, they played in a kind of a non-league final of some description in Wembley, which he didn't play in, but he did play in a game that was featured match of the day so there you go like not a mi- like not professional but not a million miles from 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 professional football either no that's great i mean that's yeah i'd be delighted if i appeared for in any capacity or match of the day if i just saw my face in the crowd i'd be happy with that his dad was a boozer though and um and he says at one point that he definitely could have made it but he had the the talent but perhaps not the discipline yeah, having the discipline is something that Joey Barton is very, very proud that he does have. My oh, goodness God. me, he he tells us again and again and again about his application, his hard work, his training. My God, there is, I, I don't think I'd be exaggerating to say, a hundred pages of uh, Joey Barton's patting himself on the back about how hardworking he is. And no doubt he is, because he wasn't fast, was he? And he's not tall. So I guess he had to work very hard to get where he was, but my goodness, he's aware of it. Yeah, so he's he sees himself, I think, as an outlier in, in a kind of a world of outliers. Um, he says that every professional footballer is kind of mad, which was an, an interesting kind of part of the book. He said that they're all kind of obsessed and or extremely talented, but they're not normal people. Footballers are just manic kind of obsessives or whatever kind of contradicts himself a bit later on when he describes particularly well disinterested players but he he, he singles out foreign players for that but um and it, and it, foreigners. <laughs> yeah, <he's, laughs> yeah and it, but he does he sees himself in this world of, of people who are kind of pathologically driven and single-minded he sees himself as you know always going further than everyone else do you think that's true? Do you think all footballers have to be that way? Like on the basis of what Joey says in the book, I don't think so. Because, <laughs> like no, I said, he, I mean that's it. I think I think maybe Joey Barton had to be that way to overcome his like I, his lack of height, his lack of pace. But I think there are probably naturals who don't take such a black and white approach to their football as Joey does. He's like absolutely crazy, right? Like he says. <laughs> He keeps, he literally, he says, I literally keep a black book on his own teammates, not even the people he's playing against. And this is to keep track of their weaknesses so he can exploit them in the event of some kind of conflict in the future. Now, who was it he had to get rid of? Kevin Horlock. Bang. Ali Banabia. Bang. Who else is there? Old Ayo Berkovich. Bang. Some kid in the youth system. Bang. <laughs> They're all dead. I think he calls them dead. Dead. You're dead to me. You're dead to me. You're yeah. dead to me. Yeah. Wow. What a, what, what a character. And he was at Everton, his boy, his boyhood club, and he was a fan. Like growing up, do you remember this Lillishaw School of Excellence? I remember that. I remember reading about that when I was a kid. All right, and certainly footballers of a certain age, they all went there, right? Gerard was there, Owen was there. So he was another common theme in the book is like how he almost something almost happened, but he didn't get it because. You know, he was misunderstood or he was unfairly treated, really. Let's get it in now. There's a lovely uh, moment where he's uh, he goes on the pitch with Xavi Alonso. 
and uh, I've got something against him, and he's got something against me. He thinks that I smashed his head and knocked him out. I think that he stopped me playing alongside Stephen Gerrard for Liverpool, which would have led me to play for England. <laughs> One thing is real, Joey, where you smash someone's head in. The other thing is totally in your head. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm so fucking on Londra. If it wasn't for him, I would have played alongside Gerrard for Liverpool and probably got more recognition at the England level. Yeah, I reckon he's got the bigger gripe against you, Joey. <laughs> And again, we're jumping ahead of ourselves. I just thought that was a very funny line. Yeah, it's just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Anyway, so when he was at Everton, he nearly got, he he was whatever clubs send the players to be considered for Lillishaw, the school of excellence that existed and then no longer exists, like a, an English Clairefontaine, wasn't it? That was the idea, I think. Exactly that. So he was, um, he had been at, he was at Everton and his, his great pair was that he was asked to play various different positions in the kind of training games and, 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 you know, they overlooked him as a result and then got let go by everything. Size was an issue, although he's also very slow. So this is what he says himself, that he was slow and small. So he tended to be overlooked. So he got booted out of everything. Well, here we but, see a bit of a Barton steel, which he talks about a lot. Though. I mean, <laughs> this is really... a little cry. I think he's at pains to point out it wasn't for very long, but then he knuckled down. He wasn't going to let that get him down. He'll work harder. He'll do better, and he'll make it. He so he used it as something to spur him on. So good for him. One of the kind of fun bits of the book is his dad's advice about how to fight people. That was kind of fun, wasn't it? This is my first reading of this book. I read this probably close to the time it came out, maybe five or six years ago. What I did take from it, which I've which I've not ever used in practice, but theoretically is the advice his dad gave for fighting. What you got to do, you got to pull your opponent's shirt over their head. You got to keep your head down. You got to keep his head down. You got to keep punching up, punching up his shirts over his head. So he can't get you. You can keep, keep, keep getting it, get, get it until whack. You get him on the jaw. Now I'm not a fighter, but I have described that technique for fighting to my wife. <laughs> Described how I'm a tough guy, and she believed me. And she was like, "Oh wow, oh, <laughs> we got in a scuffle." I was like, "Don't worry, darling. I know what I'll do. I'll pull the man's shirt out over his head. <laughs> I'll get my head down. I'll keep him locked down, and I'll uppercut, uppercut, uppercut." Yeah. So good advice from his dad. Not all, not all bad there. He went from Everton to City, and that's where he kind of made it. When he kind of got near the first team, he started observing first team players like this book is absolutely humorless there's not a joke in there but there are a couple of things that he observed that i guess are funny and one of them was his description of pierce preparing for the game that was kind of that was kind of fun wasn't it Do you remember his that? underpants and his shin pads just working himself up baby <laughs> yeah he was you don't tell pierce yeah i mean uh straight pierce in a pair of underpants and shin pads that's pretty impressive isn't it he does learn from the senior pros He's very proud of the time he snuck in to sit with Peter Schmeichel whilst he was getting his uh, getting a massage and asked him all the questions. And Peter Schmeichel told him he'd not had a bad game in four years. You know, he made made mistakes. He may have let goals in he would wish he w- wouldn't have wanted to. But he hasn't had a bad game in four years. And that's a great mentality, isn't it? And you can see that Schmeichel would have that, right? Yeah. The incident of his what ought to have been his debut was quite fun, wasn't it? All right, yeah, so let's go. So Joey Barton's 
in quote marks debut. The year was uh, 2002, 23rd of November. He came in to find his name on the bench. His name's on the bench. He's number 41. The game's going, Keegan. Come on, Joey, warm up. You're going on. Obviously, this is the big moment. The big moment. I'm ready to go. Hang on, where's my shirt? Where, where's, where's my shirt gone? <laughs> oh, someone stole his shirt. Someone nicked his shirt and Ali Benabia got on instead. Like, yeah, tough break. He didn't get called up again for five months. Five I mean, that's months. a long time. That's yeah. a long time to be yeah. thinking about that. But they were going to sell. They were going to sell him to sell him to Scunthorpe. Like that would have been a that would have been a serious downgrade. But luckily for Joy, he he damaged his inner ear going off for a header and spent six months in a spinning room instead instead rather than going to Scunthorpe. Not all bad though, because this gave him the opportunity to get into the Smiths. Yeah. Are you aware that Joey Barton has appeared in a Morrissey video? Oof. Well, yeah. you know, given his recent turn in 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 right wing politics, it's. Those two would get along, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, so this uh, car accident wrote off his car, but one of his friends in football lent him 23 grand for a car. Who was that friend? Lovely old, lovely old Robbie Fowler. Or Bob. Bob, as he calls him. No. Not called fucking Bob Fowler. That's ridiculous. Bob, Bob Fowler, Fowler works on an allotment. No. <laughs> it's Bob Fowler. <laughs> it's not Bob Fowler. I'm not having Bob <laughs> Fowler. That's absolutely outrageous. Hey, look, Bob to his friends. Apparently so. Eventually, he does make his debut. April 5th, 2003 versus Bolton. The next game he plays in Middlesbrough. He man marks Janino and he gets man of the match. He is away. Going to fly now, as he says. Yep, interesting. But it's at this point that, I mean, he, he confesses. He starts to undermine Keggy. And Man City are going a horrible, horrible stretch and don't win for three months. But there's a few instances where he does this kind of thing, where he just actively tries to, like, as you say, destroy destroy colleagues, teammates, whatever. But fair enough, to some extent. I've never heard that before, but I suppose these guys are in competition. But yeah, also, a few times with managers, <laughs> just actively. And, like, this is his first, first team experience. Yeah, he's a kid at this point. There's a point where he says, oh, perhaps it wouldn't be the worst thing. Me, me and Richard Dunn decided it wouldn't be the worst thing to have Stuart Pearce as manager. And then that's what they engineered. Yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Martin kind of writes this book as though he repeats over and over again how he's kind of changed and he's reformed and he's, see the, he's seen the errors of his ways. Like, when you read that for like the 25th time, you're like, hmm, I'm not sure about that. But what is interesting is he will always, he's reformed, you know, I, that, was a, that was a different me. I'm a changed man now. But he's never in his own recollection of anything ever wrong. You know, it was always someone else to blame. It's always someone else to blame, no matter what happens. And yeah. that's what we're getting on to now, isn't it? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. So if you're unfamiliar with the name Jason Tandy, Gary Barton's very, very happy to tell you who he is, isn't he? Yeah. So they're on a, a Christmas night out. Everybody is burning each other's clothes, which is fun, obviously. And then whatever, the night kind of, moves on and uh, people aren't burning jackets anymore but Tandy comes back and does it to, to, to Barton in front of people like Fowler and Richard Dunn these guys that he looks up to and yeah <laughs> Barton doesn't like this so he launches it. there's a quote here for the record 
I never intended to stub that cigar out in his eye. <laughs> yeah, well, in a lot of things, I never intended to kill that man on that day. <laughs> Apparently in the tabloid press, he was uh, meant to be dressed up as Jimmy Savile. But he says that's not true, which is a real shame. Yeah. Who, Tandy was or... or, or um, uh, Joey. Yeah, but it, like so. Yeah, ultimately, the reason I'm saying about this blame thing is because like he's like this fucker. He he tried to light my house on fire. It's like, but you had just you had just done that to him, just done it to him. Like, well, can I read the exact quote from the book? Jamie Tandy, a non-entity, but you might have heard of him. Here's the myth: innocent kid has cigars stubbed down his eye by thuggish Premier League star. He suffers major psychiatric deterioration and his promising football career disintegrates. His life is ruined since he drinks heavily and has difficulty sustaining personal relationships. Here's the reality. Gobshite invites retaliation by setting fire to the shirt of a player who was a year above him in the academy and comes from a similar background. He lacks the character to eke out a career in professional sport and is consumed by self-pity. He is convicted of assaulting two female partners. Hello, Jerry. Was I in the wrong on that night out? Absolutely. Do I regret what I did to Tandy every single day? Would I change the outcome in a heartbeat? Do I have sympathy for him? Not in a million years. <laughs> no, he doesn't like it. Good old Joey. He deserved it. He's a fucking arsehole and he deserves it. <laughs> he made his bed, lie in it. Yeah, my goodness. That was the end of Tandy anyway, Cigar and Yay. Um, there you go. Um, but yeah, they, they come thick and fast at this stage. Um, and this is... <laughs> They go to Bangkok. Like apparently, footballers, football teams should just not go to Bangkok. There is a there is a tip for any team because they all seem to get in trouble in Bangkok. But um, he's in a pub speaking to some Everton. Uh, sorry, some City fan. Um, and uh, no, it is an Everton fan. Sorry, and um, the Everton fan and him are having a nice time. But then the Everton fan gets onto abusing Fowler, and of course, um, uh. Joey has no has no truck with this, and at some point they start arguing or whatever, and then uh, the Everton fans, fifteen year old son, kicks Joey Barton in the shit. <laughs> so Joey Barton just goes fucking mental, and attacks everyone, including Richard Dunn. Yeah, very good. Yeah, the Christmas party is basically is what we're here for, isn't it? This is why everyone bought this book. If you're old enough to get involved, you're old enough to get a slap. Yeah, you are. Well, the kid got a slap. He's not the only 15-year-old to get a slap from Joey Barton in this, <laughs> this book either. Like Between the cigar, cigar stubbing of the eye and the slapping a kid in Bangkok, Joey manages to run over a Liverpool fan. The rules of the game became clear the following May when I accidentally ran over a Liverpool fan who had been celebrating the team's defeat of Chelsea in the Champions League semi-final. It was 2am and the city centre was bedlam. People were singing, intermittently blocking the road outside O'Neill's pub. I'd watched the game with some mates, but I hadn't been drinking. I tried to swerve to miss the fan, heard that dreaded resonant thump, and stopped immediately. Yeah, so it really was a bad few months for old Joey there. Then the book takes a very dark turn with the murder of Anthony Walker by Barton's brother, his younger brother Michael and a fellow called Paul Taylor, who was Burton's, Burton's cousin. 
Anthony Walker is a young man who lived on, in the same neighborhood as Barton. In fact, Barton said he was, he was the only black family in the area. And yeah, it was a heinous, racially motivated crime um, in which Walker was killed with an ax. Like this is as, as bad as it gets. And I suppose the, the really famous one in England is, is Stephen Lawrence, right? But I think Anthony Walker would be kind of mentioned in the same breath as, as the killing of Stephen Lawrence. Yeah, this is a dark turn. It's difficult to uh, difficult to talk about this because we don't want to make light. This is just a, a disgusting crime. Again, which is no thought of Joey Barton's. And I think as far as it went, he tried to do the right thing, right? He, he tried to do... He tried to get his brother back to, to face justice. He, he held no shrift. He didn't try and shelter him in any way. Yeah, it's just yeah. a really ugly, ugly story. And it, it, it puts into perspective any stupid punch-ups and cigar burnings, even slapping a kid in Bangkok. It, this is just real ugly, ugly stuff. And um, and significantly as well, um, he says that his brother Michael went on the run and ended up in Amsterdam and was calling Barton from there. Like, Kind of telling him lies that he'd gone on a fishing trip and he'd nothing to do with this la 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 and Barton went on television and, and appealed for um Michael the brother to return um but they didn't Michael and the cousin Paul Taylor they didn't return voluntarily but they're they were eventually arrested in Amsterdam in a book that's quite violent and as you say is it's funny in parts this is a really dark turn so it really does show how trivial the other things were little stupid fights and stuff and then this is just really, really ugly and a real tragedy. What Barton does then, like, it's, it's such a clunky, like, you know, the, the book takes this turn into this really dark chapter and then he tries to come out of it in, a, in a quite, a, quite a clumsy way with this a description of this kit man. Oh, Les Chapman. Nice yeah, that's it. I mean, chapter eight. Some, some comedy, some comedy kit, kit man, which actually after after dealing with the, the killing like reasonably well, um, this is just weird. It's just a weird thing to follow it. So yeah, Les Chapman, here we go. I mean, I've got some quotes here. Les Chapman, he developed half a dozen personas, including a Lancastrian version of Adolf Hitler. Good stuff. Chappie would strut around the training ground in full uniform, screaming at the top of his voice while his stick-on moustache was being dislodged by a stream of spittle. That performance was postponed for obvious and understandable reasons when we signed Lyle Berkovich. But Michael Tarnat and Diddy Hammer and our resident Germans, they loved it. <laughs> of course they loved it. So he'd come back from, from um, being in, in Bangkok and he said he was expecting like the tabloids to really give him a kicking over what had happened there. And then what actually happened was the killing of Anthony Walker. And, and of course, that really was on a different level. And, you know, football fans are not want to let things go. So I think he was really getting it from, from fans. But, you know, in a, in a true Barton fashion, he's talking about <laughs> getting abuse from Everton fans, his old club, um, in relation to the Walker killing and he flashes them but then yes, he's he like in true well not not flashes them like he's not a he didn't expose himself front wise just a bit of bum action uh, yeah okay <laughs> yeah uh he mooned them yeah i mean that's better isn't it i mean <laughs> if he got his dick out 
<laughs> Take a look at that, Everton fans. This is what you could have won. Anyway, yeah, a bit of the mood, but... but he says his justification was that Everton, Everton fans, quote, goaded, goaded me into it. Yeah, of course. Of course, Joey. I enjoyed the England stuff just because he's so bitter about it. Played 17 minutes as a sub against Spain in a friendly. I'll name five players and you, do you want to tell me the order in which you would rate them? Okay. Oh, yes. Yes, I would like to do right. that. So Joey has the modesty to not count Gerard and Lampard. But where do you think he, okay, two questions. Where does he rank himself amongst Barton, Carrick, Hargreaves, Scott Parker and Genus? And where would you, and what order would you rank them? Five players. Maybe. Top of the pile, I'd have Carrick. I think uh, Hargreaves had a decent career, but we're injury prone, right? Yeah. I'd say Scotty Parker was a better player than Barton. And I'd probably have Joey Barton alongside Jenis in like, terms of quality, but he'd yeah. be at the bottom of the pile. Anyway, Joey disagrees with you. He's better than all. He's he's better than all four of those. Um, and he sure is. Yeah. <laughs> But the thing about like he wasn't popular in England squad because he'd been griping publicly about footballers in the squad and that uh, in was it the Euros or the World Cup who'd been writing it was the World Cup yeah autobiographies I lost the World Cup I played shit here's my book is that the exact quote but it's certainly something like that yeah he tweeted that out right he loves a tweet doesn't he yeah Jared and Rooney was it or did the we should be making it was interesting because he does have enormous respect for Gerard, right? He really does. He does. Gerard sort of escapes everything. He also seems to have enormous respect for Michael Owen. Yeah. But zero respect for Wayne Rooney. And that is interesting. Do you remember him as being a really excellent player? Like, if he didn't have that baggage, do you think he would have had a much better career? I mean, at the time, I remember thinking he was a player who could do a job. And uh, he was a 7 out of 10 player, a decent mm. Premier League player. Scored about one a goal in ten games though. That's not bad for a midfielder of that kind of of that kind of uh, the type of midfielder. Like he's coming from the from the base of midfield. The Osman Dabo stuff. <laughs> oh joy! Just can't help himself. Oh, it's, oh, I mean that is just oh, it's it's, it's so exhausting again. He's 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 creating trouble. There's a bit where like Osman Dabo. Was trying to get away from a situation you can see it, and he's like, I was walking 10 yards behind him, nothing off at him. Leave it, Joey. Leave it. He's your teammate. Don't get along with everybody. In his telling of the story, Dabo was to blame for turning back. (laughs) So, like, so just to say what happened, they were kind of, he didn't like a bunch of players in the city team, uh, city squad. There was a bunch of, I think this is one of the the, the parts where he kind of singles out lazy foreigners. Osman Dabo, I guess, he was one of the players that, that um, Barton didn't like and he was putting a few spicy tackles on, on Dabo in training, you know, as you do, trying to hurt your colleague. And then, um, you know, they, they they confronted each other, they started, you know, fighting. And <laughs> Dabo was escorted off the pitch <laughs> with Barton, like, as you say, following him 10 paces behind, shouting abuse at him. Here's one of Mark Barton's modest quotes. If you go for the king, you better make sure you take him out. You're the king in this situation, (laughs) Joey. It's just so insane. If you go for the king, that's like Pardew. That would press charges, you know, um, and 
Joey got a four-month suspended sentence. Like he got a four-month suspended sentence and a six-game ban. <laughs> it seems a bit um, out of whack. And the, uh, I mean, you, don't you think, though, for, for him to actually press charges, it must have been much worse than Joey described, right? City fined Barton 100 grand. And that was before the, you know, there was any decision on the actual criminal case. So, again, Barton, of course, feels particularly betrayed by City, who, who he reckons kind of exposed him uh, by coming down on Dabo's side, you know. Um, Dabo had like a, he was knocked out and he had a detached retina. Like that's, that I mean, must, have been heck, must have been a heck of a punch. Or punches. And what was Dabo's real crime? He was doing a running commentary in French. You know, he says at one point in the book, you know, he says it a couple of times, actually, he refers to like the perception of him as having a, having real thick skin. Did you think Joey Burton had thick skin when you read this book? I did not. <laughs> Jesus I did Christ. Not. Just be flying off the handle and like, that guy speaking French, hit him. Break his well, first that. of all, he uh, responded sarcastically to the uh, French speaking by telling him what a world-class player he was. But when that didn't register, I simply repeated, ad nauseum, that he was shit. <laughs> <laughs> so he's off to Newcastle because uh, because City want, you know, that's the end of City for him. Um, joins Big Sam. Um, but he breaks his metatarsal and he's out for three months. Uh, the old metatarsal, eh? The bane of all English players from the northeast, like during the uh, OOs. I remember literally I drew a little boot on my foot in about 2006 and did the uh, what you call it wishful wishful thinking that uh, Rooney's uh, metatarsal would heal <laughs> I was a great man I was a man grown but I did it I did it and it did heal and he came back and was fucking terrible and got oh, sent off yeah, well, you're, kind, you're kind of to blame then aren't you really well yeah. me and a variety of other and I'm embarrassed to say this sun readers but I got the idea oh god Really? Was that something in his It's like... Um, it was some sort of David Icke thing. Maybe it was a Yuri Geller thing. Like, yeah, I think that, it might have been a Yuri Geller thing. Sounds like Geller with the spoon on the television. Yeah, you draw your boot on your hand and you all think, heel metatarsal. <laughs> Worth a go, Johnny, wasn't it? Worth a go. Yeah, that is good. Um, <laughs> I genuinely did. Ugh. Um, okay, and then, so... Joey is in the depths of depression. He's out for three months. His career is kind of not in tatters, but I suppose it's he's not lining out with Liverpool and England as he as as he as he feels he ought to have been. And he goes on the piss in Liverpool. And uh, for the second time in the book, he attacks a fifteen-year-old. He was only fifteen. <laughs> he was only fifteen years old. <laughs> Come on, Joey, stop hitting kids. I mean, you're never going to get sympathy with that. But they were. What's fun was, I mean, what, he got arrested, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Uh, initially, what he was most worried about was letting Michael Owen down, who was going to give him a lift to work in his helicopter. Oh, let down Michael Owen. I mean, he really <laughs> does. He rates Owen as a person. He loves him. He's like sitting in prison going, the worst thing about this is I've let down Michael and his helicopter. <laughs> There, he, uh, there was a point, I think it's later in the book, where uh, Mike Ashley offered to lend him his uh, helicopter. Oh, yeah, that, that was fun. I like that. And then he gave him a big fucking invoice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you owe me this now, Joey. Yeah, he didn't like that. Um, so this is when, so he's already got a four-month suspended sentence with Dabo, and then he's, um, 
he's charged. So he's in McDonald's and some scallies, I think he calls them, are winding him up. He's out with his cousin and some friends and his cousin Nadine. And of course, in, in the Barton telling, someone is to blame, someone kicked Nadine. Joey goes for, for one of the young lads and he wakes up in prison. The prison stuff was okay though, wasn't it? If you if you will allow me. I mean, the opening paragraph to his prison uh, chapter is absolute gold. Does O'Connor and Carol Vorderman inadvertently help me through the inevitable existential crisis? I was watching... I was watching them co-host Countdown. By the way, Des O'Connor, worst ever host by a country mile. I was watching them co-host Countdown, the TV game show, after a fitful first night and an endless first morning in Walton Jail when my cellmate returned from his duties and switched channels without a word. The challenge was primal. As far from the mental gymnastics with numbers, vowels and consonants as it gets. In such a harsh and closed environment, you are quickly categorised as victim, survivor, or enforcer. No one fucks with Joey's countdown, mate. <laughs> yeah, and it turns out that the fellow who came in was totally, like, turns out he was actually totally fine. <laughs> that yeah, he was absolutely fine. <laughs> After the primal challenge of having countdown turned off. Just Joey with his thick skin sitting there, like, absolutely flipping over his countdown. Yeah, I was sitting there the other day watching uh, Jeopardy and... He walks my daughter. The challenge was primal, isn't she? As she wanted to watch Jelly Ben and Pogo. This was as far from the mental gymnastics of Jeopardy as I could possibly see. <laughs> I can't back down in that situation. No, Somebody needs God, to be put in her no, place. And no. I had to tell you, I had to put my daughter in her place. Yeah. He started at one prison, Walton, and then he was transferred to Strange Ways. How the fuck is this chapter not called Strange Ways? Here we come. How the fuck faint, faint Smith's fan. And he ends yeah. up in strange ways. Yeah. The chapter's called Inside Out. Come on, Joey. Open goal, lad. There's your one in ten goal record. Can't even hope it in from there. <laughs> maybe Joey's, uh, uh, maybe it's the Alan Partridge thing. What's your favourite Smiths album? The best of the Smiths. <laughs> <laughs> he was also in uh, prison this time with a cousin who stabbed a kid at an 18th birthday party, killed him, but he... Uh, he avoided him in prison. Crikey, Joey Barton's uh, family, eh? Crikey. Yeah, wow. So then, yeah, he's back at Newcastle and he's got old Kevin Keegan again. Yeah, because... He's Ash already pulled the rug out on once, hasn't he? Ashley comes in. Keegan got thrown out. Keegan sued Ashley for two million. That's nice. Good for Keegan. I mean, I root for Keegan in all circumstances. Mm. I want him to do well. That, do you remember that when Joe Kinnear came back? That was absolutely bonkers. JFK. Have you ever, in your lifetime of watching, reading about football, heard anyone say a nice thing about Dennis Wise? No. <laughs> What's going on there? He must be the biggest prick in football. I mean, he, he clearly is, isn't he? Remember, I, like, Scozy said he used to, like, when he, like... He, He'd scrape down his studs, he'd knock you over, and then he'd pick you up. And as he picked you up, he'd be like pinching you on the like sensitive part of your arm. Just, just gnarly. Just yeah. a horrible bloke. A horrible bloke. And okay, well, this is fun, isn't it? Because then Shearer and Shearer comes in, but Shearer and Dowie, um, which is relevant because um, Joey, you know, old boxing glove face. <laughs> yeah, that, that is funny. Picking on Dowie, the lowest <laughs> hanging fruit in all of football, isn't it? But 
Dowie is a rare footballer because didn't he essentially put a word in the English dictionary? Yes, I believe he did, Johnny. Yeah. Do you want to tell me what it is? Uh, bounce back ability. There he goes, lad. That's yes. a good word. That's a great word. So Shearer has them all doing like double sessions as it's getting towards the end of the season. Um, and, you know, Barton says, you know, we should be resting and working on tactics and this kind of thing. And football, I suppose. What was funny was, as you say, he loves Michael Owen and he describes Ian Dowie lecturing Michael Owen on how to score goals. That was fun. Barton was out with this med Thurston injury and he comes back and he plays against Liverpool on Cortison. Um, but he gets sent off. <laughs> of course, he has to lay, put in all of the mitigating factors early, but he gets sent off for a deliberately bad tackle on Alonso. And we, talked about this earlier here because Alonso stole his life you know and then he gets uh, in the dressing room afterwards Shearer accuses him of trying accuses him of trying to break Xavi's leg we've seen it so many times he can't deny it of course he was trying to hurt him of course he was and of course Joey sits quietly in the corner then when 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 Shearer attacks him no no that's not Joey's style Gets himself, he gets, gets himself suspended from the ground. Barton, obviously, we see it now because he's he's become the kind of face of it, as he said, like kind of this kind of manosphere, kind of right wing kind of stuff, if you want. But he does, yeah. I think he sees himself as a kind of a political force to be reckoned with or something. He goes into it here with uh, with Ashley. And he's kind of got somewhat confused, maybe. Like, he seems to find common cause with people from working class backgrounds. And he does call out homophobia and racism at different times. You know, maybe that's tokenistic or not. Who knows? And take him at his word. But he also hates I, the media. He doesn't particularly seem to like foreigners. Um, or women. Yeah. He says at various points how, how left-wing and liberal he is, but, you know, yeah. I mean, he, I believe he believes in unions and stuff. I think uh, himself and the left have uh, diverted paths at mm. this point quite, quite dramatically. Yeah. I know it's not helpful to compare these books to previous ones we, we read, but I remember talking about Fardy when he, he was kind of wrestling with his friend on this first date with his the woman who became his wife Rebecca but there's a <laughs> Barton does something similar but it's just a lot more menacing <laughs> so on his first date with Georgia he ends up on the on the street fighting a fellow diner <laughs> how was your date yeah it went well <laughs> yeah uh, he seems then, like a nice guy and then he mentions that friends from Liverpool you know connected friends I suppose they managed to identify and track this, this man down and call him up. And then the man had to call Barton and apologize. That would be uh, hard to swallow, wouldn't it? That would be very difficult. Hi, Joey. I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm really <laughs> sorry for what I did. You weren't at fault and I underestimated your mental strength. Do you know what I find annoying? You know, he talks about what he thinks about people, but he never gives us kind of kind of the juicy morsels that we really crave. So he talks about rumors from Alan Pardew's private life, but he doesn't say what they were. That's annoying, isn't it? You think maybe he did say what they were and lawyers said, no. 
Do you reckon? Do you know Have what you any inkling of anything untoward about Pardew, other than being a bit of a knob? There was that story about him taking a dinner off another diner's, like he was eating with someone and took the steak off the other fellow's plate. So he's obviously a fucking lunatic. But just just let your dinner. When you're a king, you can do anything, right? Yeah. That's famous. Pardew again kind of comes in and goes out very quickly. Not much to say about Pardew. I did enjoy the I did enjoy the Warnock stuff. Joey Barton's take on Warnock is that Warnock is not the straight talking, straight talking Yorkshireman. He wants you to think he is. I mean, I can't imagine a straight talking old Neil Warnock. See, the thing is, if anyone disses Joey, that just makes him terrible, right? If you don't like Joey, then that's because they're an awful person. Yeah. I'm not saying Warnock's a great person. Joey's almost has the same problems, like... He's got problems with various, again, foreign players playing for QPR. The player he has a particular problem at QPR is Abel Turat, um, who just seems to be really talented and disinterested and then can turn it on every now and again when it suits him and then is just kind of, you know, a lazy foreigner in Joey's eyes. This is undeniable, right? Because I think going back to Newcastle, Kinnear took him aside and asked him what he should do. And genuinely, Joey's response was, fuck off all the foreigners. Barton says Warnock lost the dressing room after Joey Barton put three nasty tackles on Tarat in training. Well, there you go. I mean, he accuses, and again, uh, another threat of legal action here from, from, a, from a training ground incident. And let me add, Joey Barton was captain. <laughs> captain. Well, this is it. He justifies himself here. He goes, I don't know if it's true that Tarat spat at the, the laundry lady. I don't know if it is true, but I'm going to put it in my book. But he was certainly rude to her. Warnock sacked. And then comes Mark Hughes. He's got some beef with Hughes, but it's never actually quite clear what it is. Joey's first season at QPR ends up with the legendary Man City Aguero game. And this is, of course, where Joey Barton absolutely disgraces himself. But not in Joey's eyes. He's watching Balotelli. But I am analytical. I am detached. I'm going to punch about three people. <laughs> That's analytical and detached. He thought he was doing it for the team. He's like, yeah. oh, I'll, I'll unsettle them by getting sent off and yeah. like rattling everyone. He really made an agent out of himself, Joy Brown, didn't he? <laughs> just, again, though, in his mind, at that point, he was analytical. He was detached. It was a maelstrom around him. He was lost in the circumstances. And he had a so yeah, so QPR had a a season whereby they managed to remain in the Premier League, but Joey was persona non grata. He goes on loan to Fleetwood, which I didn't really understand what he was saying there. He went kind of where some old friends were, but well, he said he wanted to go, didn't he? He said he wanted to go there, yeah. but in fact, he got then, a better op. A then better he immediately offer. went to Marseille. <laughs> yeah, I'd say he wanted to go to Fleetwood. All right, I admire him for this though. I mean. Why not? I mean, who'd play for QPR if you could play for Marseille? I mean, in all honesty. And the answer to that is like 99% of footballers, I think. Because well, that's it's, right. <laughs> it's the money, I guess, ultimately. But, um, and I suppose it's London as well, to be fair. You know? It is London. But, but I fancy yeah, a bit of Marseille. I, yeah, I think I'm, if I were a pro I'm, footballer, I'd plan my career many times. Johnny, I'd have a year at Marseille as well. Lovely stuff. The yeah, Velodrome. Nice. Oh, it's so sexy. And he Those he liked shirts. He's, he he liked uh, he liked the the French football fans, their attitude to the footballers, and most importantly, I suppose, in Joey's eyes, their attitude to him. 
<laughs> they liked him. Well, that's it. I mean, he had his sweet and tender hooligan, sweet and tender hooligan banner at his first game, which is another Smith's reference, which must have felt great, right? That must have felt great. Yeah. But he has yeah. a lovely time in uh, Marseille, and by all accounts, he does pretty well for them. Again, yeah. the French League probably is about his standard at this point. Yeah, and he says that he learned a lot there, but he doesn't get into talking about football all that much in the book. But he does say he learned a bit in 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 Marseille, um, kind of gave him a kind of a different kind of tactical awareness. I think he wanted to stay around, but um, he ended up going back to QPR, which was a big surprise. Well, he sort of wants to stay around, but doesn't he really intimate that? Basically, it was the money that took him back to QPR. Oh, yeah. Well, that, yeah, for sure. What was very funny was, so, again, he talks about Redknapp, Joey Barton, like young Hawkins in Treasure Island, happens upon a mutiny. <laughs> and he goes into Harry and he's like, Harry, the players are about to, about to mutiny, you know? And, uh, but Joey, on this occasion, for whatever reason, maybe because he wasn't the principal plotter himself, he um, jockeyed himself as some kind of go-between. And I, I think actually the, the managers that Burton ends up liking are the ones who give him a lot of control, not even yes. over like, you know, how much he plays, but how much he controls like the, the team. And so when he's back at QPR there, they've been relegated uh, the, year, the year he was at Marseille, if I'm not mistaken. And then, so they're fighting to come back up. And um, yeah, this stuff is all, this is kind of fun because there's a bit, there's a little bit more going on here in terms from a sporting sense. Um, you know, there's playoffs and, and, and that kind of thing. So there's even, as you read it, you get a more of a sense of jeopardy in what's going on in his sporting career. But yeah, he likes to pay himself as the kind of strate- strategist and the man motivator. I did enjoy him calling, uh, Benoit Asso Akoto, the, quote, biggest egg he ever met in football. I quite enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, an egg. Yeah, a big egg. Yeah. Asso Akoto was a porn star, right? Or that was the rumour. That's what I seem to remember <laughs> most about him. He oh, did porn and yes. hated football. Oh, there you go. But yeah, he's, 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 he's with Harry and they're in the championship and they get to the playoffs they go up. Do you remember those playoffs? I do remember that playoff. Yeah, I absolutely re- Well, I remember the playoff final very clearly. I was on a beach in Africa watching that, Johnny. Yeah. It was QPR versus Derby. Was it, it was McLaren, wasn't it? At Derby? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, who scored the goal? Because I looked at the goal. Was it um, Bobby Zamora? It was Bobby Zamora. Yeah, it was a nice goal as well. Oh, actually, and it was Richard Keogh, like who gave the goal away. Like, what a disastrous thing to do in a playoff final. Well, I mean, you say that, but really, it wasn't the person that lost the game for uh, for uh, Derby was Chris Martin because he said they had no chance of winning. <laughs> they all, they all prickled at that, didn't they? That was it. It's like, oh, this lad, we got no chance, have we? Well, I'll show you, Chris Martin. Yeah, stick it at on the end there. when Chris Martin was crying. Big man Joey Barton went over. Went over and gave him an arm around the shoulder. But they still mocked him the season after, even when they were getting absolutely dicked week after week. Apparently the QPR players go, oh, at least we're not Chris Martin at yeah. Derby. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Um, he also at uh, QPR that season gives uh, Harry some straight talk. I don't know how you've done it, Harry, but everyone thinks you're a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello, Joey. Would you like to come in? <laughs> From QPR to Burnley. I wasn't surprised. Well, maybe I was surprised to learn that he liked Sean Dyche because he didn't like any managers really, but he loves Sean Dyche. He fucking loves him. Well, again, I, that would have been a coup, I would have said, for Burnley at that point, right? I mean, Joey Barton was an established Premier League player. He he would have done great in the Championship. I and think that's his true level, right? I think that's his true level. He would have been an excellent Championship player. I think in the modern game, he would have been a Championship player. Mm. Um, yeah, and I guess Dice is kind of a man's man, isn't he? And significantly for Burton, Burton kind of intimate certainly in the book that uh Daesh kind of let him be that kind of main organizer in the field and in the dressing room that kind of thing and and this is ultimately again what Burton likes is I think it's fair to say that Sean Daesh is a man's man <laughs> I think it's certainly true to say he's not a ladies man is he <laughs> <laughs> so they got in like sports psychologists to do a kind of a profile of of every player and Burton includes the entire profile that they did of him this what? is insane <laughs> it's so insane it's five pages saying how good joey barton is and he included it's five pages long considering his background the fact that he has a 10-year professional career where he earned that much money has to be respected yeah, so, and he had so many opportunities to go to completely off the rail. And when he did, he did on the whole get himself back. And like, you know, you say his, his background, which is, you know, like I say, from this absolutely incredibly violent um, family situation, but also as a player, you know, slow, small. Yeah, he's a real, he's a plucky underdog, is Joey B. But he's just so bloody difficult. It's so <laughs> bloody difficult. If he could have just, he's one of those people, and this is what he's deeply proud of. It, it's like someone on Big Brother is like, you know what I mean? I say what I think whenever I think it, and they think that's a good thing. Yeah. And they're the worst people. The worst. <laughs> you can't just say what you think. How makes you a sociopath? You have to keep it inside, dude. You might think they're all arseholes. Just, just don't say it. We, we all get confronted with people we don't like at work. Just keep it inside, son. It's being professional. It's not even that he says what he thinks. He, he physically assaults the people. <laughs> that is the colleagues that he doesn't like. <laughs> the book peters out in the same way, I guess, Barton's career petered out. And the thing about Barton is that it's all of this, the world is out to get him and and he's unfairly treated and I've really reformed, but the other person was wrong and I wasn't to blame anyway. And, you know, I suppose that's fine if it's like a couple of times, but it must be 15 times in the book, you know? No, well, absolutely. He just novels himself time and time again. like it, And if it, it doesn't, he just keeps trying, right? Sticking a cigar out in someone's eyes, not enough. I'll knock over a Liverpool fan. All right, still not good. You want more? You want more? I'll punch a player. You want more? I'll punch a kid. I'll punch another kid. <laughs> yeah. He goes to Rangers, right? Uh, but he's... So he goes to Rangers, absolutely. And he writes a lot about the 
proud, proud traditions of Rangers. There's quite a lot about it. Yeah. His thoughts on playing football up there. And, and then... <laughs> what did he last five games? You know, he was suspended for a three-week training ground incident at Rangers as well. Well, I mean, that's... that's, that's Is that even in the man. book? Is it even in the book? I don't think so. Yeah, I read about that on Wikipedia. Some guy called Andy Halliday. <laughs> Joey got three weeks suspension from Rangers. So, yeah, like you said, maybe maybe at times he's not entirely truthful. So, yeah, the, the Rangers thing only lasted five games, partly largely because of the gambling, but maybe also because of <laughs> him just doing Joey Barton things. Interesting, isn't it? I mean, you can punch and kick and hurt as many people as you like. You can come back. You make a few bets. 18 months, lad. 18 months. Yeah, and actually on this one, so I think everybody is is willing to be sympathetic when Barton makes the obvious point that, like, football is so hypocritical, right? In that, like, players, you know, Ivan Tony, I guess, is the big example recently. And then the, the, the couple of players in, in Italy recently as well, right? Can I um, just interject there? Ivan Tony, do you know what his middle names are? No. Do you not know this? No. Anyway. He is Ivan, Benjamin, Elijah, Tony. What are his initials? I B E T. <laughs> That's true. That's nice. It's giving it away. He never stood a chance for that. He never stood a chance. <laughs> Nominative determinism. But with Barton, you know, I think you know, I, I want to be sympathetic. But you know, he mentions in the book he he plays fifteen thousand bets. <laughs> This was 15,000. In 10 years, that's 1,500 bets a year. Like five a day. Okay, I don't know. Like maybe if you're football, you got a lot of time. If you got, but sorry, what I was going to say is that like, I think everybody wants to be, wants to be sympathetic. And like when, when a footballer makes a point of how hypocritical football is here, because you can't watch football without seeing things about gambling. And then these guys get, get, um, get suspended for, 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 placing bets but you know 15,000 bets including betting against his own team and that's a big problem is that right there were bets against his own well that's insane obviously I mean that's where you have to he wasn't on. playing in the games he'd been he'd been he'd been suspended or he'd been uh, uh, and he was he says he was kind of doing it um out of you know sour grapes essentially but you know he's still I think he said 10 10 bets that's just stupid. He got 18 months, but that was reduced uh, by, uh, by five months on appeal. But it ended his career, really. And the book is written in a way that he's coming back, but he never, he never came back. So the whole book is about how he's reformed himself. And then it ends on this kind of, kind of fizzles out with this. Well, then I got to spend for 18 months. So you're overall thoughts. I think this was the least interesting of the books that we've read. Um, and I wouldn't recommend this book. I'd give it like a generous two out of five. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I enjoyed the fighting bits. I yeah. mean, the bit in Bangkok's fun. The cigar dressed as Jimmy Savile, that's fun. I just wish he was more fun. He's not a fun person. He is not fun. No, he, uh, laughing and joking doesn't seem to be in his vocabulary, eh? No, and I do, like certainly not laughing about himself. <laughs> yeah, he takes himself incredibly seriously. So seriously, Christ. When we said, let's do this particular book, I was interested because 
he's not even a divisive character. I think most people are agreed. <laughs> like he's a controversial character, I suppose. And I was interested in that, but it, it was a it was a big letdown, really. Well, that's what he appears to do with his career now. He's just become a yeah. He's just a controversialist, right? He just he just wants to rile people. He's a, he sees himself as a, a spokesman for the working class, but I really don't think he deserves that. Yeah, I think he's probably just a bit of a prick. And what what's um what's concerning, I suppose, is that you know at one point in the book he 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 kind of compares himself to Conor McGregor, and both of these individuals recently have been doing similar stuff in the sense that they've kind of been in, involving themselves with kind of like questionable politics, we'll say. And I think both of them are similar in that they seem to be individuals who need the oxygen of attention you know and yeah. i think a an idle joy barton is not a good thing <laughs> i think he is for all the things he said about his work ethic and all the rest of it i think he might i think he needs stuff to do joey and i think he would busy himself one way or another well that's it joe yeah joey is now become sort of like football's andrew tate right he's football's misogynist and I tried to avoid his recent proclamations in order to read this book with a more open mind because he's getting worse, right? Yeah, well, I suppose if you're someone like Burton and you have this behavioural kind of tendencies where he gets him, keeps getting himself into these terrible scrapes, you know, in sports and outside sports, but he has one thing that will pardon him and that's his ability to play football. But that's gone now. So, you know, like... Yeah, that's it. And he's not a manager anymore. No. And... Uh, he never will be. His, his win percentage is about 30% at Bristol Rovers and Fleetwood Town. So this is what he's got left now, isn't it? Yeah. And thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Um, please follow us on Twitter and uh, Instagram. And please tell your friends. Yeah, and if you have any suggestions or any interesting autobiographies you'd like us to do, we'd be delighted to receive them. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Al. Thank you, Johnny.